Let's take our Bibles tonight and we'll do our last study in the Psalms of David for this year. And that is Psalm 37, Psalm 37. Now we've already done a portion of Psalm 37, so um, we'll go over that kind of quickly for those that might remember. But I do want to take some time tonight and look at what I'm calling this evening, if you've been following the titles, we're looking at a song of a life lived for God tonight. So this psalm was probably written at the end of David's life, and you'll, as you get later on into the psalm, you'll see why, uh, why that is. And I'm going to ask, um, Bill, would you mind getting those doors where the kids have headed out? I think you'll see why that is. Now, as, you, as we come to Psalm 37, the first seven verses we've, we've spent time before talking about. Let's just kind of quickly go through verses 1 through 7. And I think you'll remember a couple of months ago we looked at this. Really, it begins with a question about the evil that is surrounding him in the world. David questions that. But then he comes with a strong answer here, and he says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. So on the one hand, there's all these things we can worry about, all these evil people and all these things that are happening. But now he says, rather than worry about them, their end is sure. Let's just worry about what we are called to do as Christians, and that is we trust in the Lord, we do good. Now, this is a theme that you're going to see that runs throughout the entire psalm. And that's the statement here, the second part of verse number three, so shalt thou dwell in the land, dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. So that idea of dwelling in the land is going to be important. Um, verse number four, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I'd love to talk about these verses, but we've, we've done it before. So I'll, I'm going to force myself to move through it. Verse five, commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the noon day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Now this, here we pick it up. We, we haven't spent a lot of time in these next verses in this psalm. So cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Remember I pointed out back in verse number four, I think it was, where it says, I'm, I'm sorry, verse number three, trust in the Lord, do good, so shalt thou dwell in the land. Now in verse number nine, evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait upon the Lord are going to what? They're going to inherit the earth. So the idea of, of dwelling in the land and inheritance is a key theme throughout this. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll dive in a little bit more deeply. Lord, we thank you for the time that we have to study your word. I pray that our hearts and our minds would be open. Help us to learn in Jesus name. Amen. 
So you tell me this, as we think about the inheritance, if you can put yourself, if you can put yourself back in the time of David, if you can put yourself back in the time of the Old Testament, what was the significance of the inheritance or this idea of dwelling in the land or inheriting? What was the, what was the significance of inheritance? I mean, was it, the, was it the same as today? I mean, do you think they viewed inheritance the same way we view it today? That's a no. They, they did not. Like, if somebody, if, if somebody uh, passes away and they leave an inheritance, that's like, okay, that's, that's nice. That's not really, it was, I think I saw you whisper it, it was vastly more important to them, right? So what, what were you going to say? Yeah. Right. So the land was big. The land was was a, a key, a huge key part of the inheritance. It was sacred. Anybody know why it was sacred? Why this? They hear it over here. Right. The Lord had given it to them and actually had divided it up. So all of the tribe. So it was. The inheritance that came from the Lord, if you were an Israelite, and in fact, the inheritance of uh, the inheritance of Israel is—I I should have looked this up before. Does anybody remember what the boundaries of of the inheritance of Israel were? I mean, it was from the river of Egypt. It said, "Yeah, it's like most of Mesopotamia was the inheritance that had been given. They never really re- possessed all of it, um, but the Lord had given it to them." So the inheritance was significant in a sacred sense, in a national sense, but then in a family sense, it was significant too. A good man, the book of Proverbs says, a good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. Right. So in that, in, in what ways, so you're, if you are the patriarch, if you're David, and, or if you're any of these people and you're thinking about your inheritance, like you're thinking about, you want to build that inheritance, right? You want to, like you mentioned, it would be flocks and herds. Like you would, part of your life's work, right? It was not such an individualistic society, right? Like nowadays it's like, okay, make everything you can, get a retirement, spend it, you know, on a whatever bigger house you're going to have, and then let the kids fight over it when you're gone, right? That was, is kind of the mentality that is our culture today. And so people will save and they'll put aside for their retirement and for the things that they're planning for. But in this day, not so much. It was all about taking the inheritance you've had, building it, growing it, and leaving something greater behind for then your children to take. That's why when the prodigal son wasted his inheritance, it was considered, like when the Pharisees heard that story, they would have been like, are you kidding me? Like, that's like the worst possible thing that you could do. And so David is picking up this, this theme here. So there's a couple of themes going on. The one theme is that the, the great purpose of their life was this inheritance that they'd received from the Lord and building upon this inheritance, but then also identifying with the eternal inheritance, the, the, the national inheritance. So here he says that evildoers will be cut off, but those that wait on the Lord... And remember, we talked about that idea of waiting and quiet and a quiet heart, that trusting the Lord, they're the ones, they're actually going to inherit the earth. 
It's all going to them. So the theme of inheritance, but then there's a question that's, that's asked all throughout the psalm. And the question that's asked all throughout the psalm is this, is it really worth it? Or I should say it's the question that's being answered. It's almost the unspoken question that's being asked that he answers consistently. And the question would be, is it really worth it to live for God? Is it really worth it to live for God? Now, in what we've already read, why is that question coming up? Is it really worth it to live for God? Okay, I think that's one thing. He's definitely had a hard life. Why else is that question coming up? Again, it's not, being, it's not asked, it's being answered in the question with the affirmative yes, but where is the, in what we've read so far, why is, the, why is that question coming? So David's had a hard life is one thing. Why else? Um, he's questioning his entire life because he's dying. Well, I think there is a, probably the, the reflection on the, what he's doing here is he's telling people, he's answering in the affirmative, yes, it is worth it to live your life for God. But in this, you're seeing like, it's almost like there were times in David's life where he doubted, and he's speaking to those of us who may doubt at times, to say, yes, it is. He's addressing these moments of temptation that we would face. What's one of the big struggles that we've already seen that, that would make a person question, is it really worth it to live for God? You can kinda, I'll give you a minute to look back at the, at the, at the verses. I think it's like really clear even early on in the psalm. Okay. Yeah. It's frustrating. Exactly. That's the. That's exactly the point. Is that he? You can look around, and David could see all these people. So the first. The first question was, "Boy, is it really worth it to live for God when I'm going through these hardships? I'm going through these difficulties, and then look at these evil doers." I mean, what if they, what, what if they're, he says here in the first verse, fret not because of evil, do, evil doers. In verse number nine, he says, evildoers shall be cut off. He's reminding himself that, that these people, they may look like they're prospering, but hey, it's still worth it to live for God because their end is going to be far worse than what their life appears to be. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. So for the believer, there may be a temporary price that we pay to follow the Lord. But for the unbeliever who's not willing to pay to count the cost, the unbeliever who's not willing to pay that short-term price to follow Christ, there the cost they will pay is far greater in eternity. I think that's a great summary of exactly... But it's just a, it's a reminder. This is given to us as a reminder for Christians when we doubt, you know, is it really worth it to live for God? And it's viewing it because, listen, we're all flesh and blood. And so in our, like, we could sit here all spiritually and be like, well, of course it is. But when you're going through real difficulties in life and you're seeing other people seem to prosper and do just fine and be happy and go out to eat and go on vacation and buy a new house and drive a new car and all these good things, you might question sometimes and say, boy, is this whole thing really worth it? Is it really worth it for me to give my money to missions? Is it really worth it for me to be committed to the local church? Is it really worth it for me to fight this battle in my home with my kids? And is it really worth any of this? 
And David's answering, yeah, it's worth it. Because in the end, it's going to be far worse for the evildoer. That's just one reason why it's worth it. So these are times in life where we're tempted to question. And David's looking back after all these years, looking at a life that was lived for God. And he writes this song just to tell us, yeah, it's worth it. In verse number 10, he he picks up on that more and he says, Yet a little while and the wicked shall not be. But uh, yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place. You'll look for it. Like whatever happened, where did he go? But it shall not be. Think of all of the wealthy people, wealthy, wealthy people of past generations. How many of them are remembered? Very, very, very few. I mean, sure, there are a few whose names last a few generations, but all the wealthy people and all the powerful people of all of the ages, and there are a lot of them, who are they? You could, you could, all of the people from David's day, there's no way for us to ever, think about this, in all of the archaeological digs, how many of these people do you think we could find? I mean, really, like less than a handful, maybe a handful of them? Of the scores and scores and hundreds of people, we could go and look and look and look for these people, but we would never find them. Yeah. I wouldn't have anything to do tonight because you have this whole lesson, but all of Psalm 73 deals with this entire topic. David said, I just read one of those kind of sums up the entire 73rd Psalm. David said, I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And that entire right. psalm deals with, with what you're talking about. You know, looked at people who were ungodly and they were prospering and going on in life and he kind of was frustrated by it until the 17 says, until I went into the sanctuary. Right. Then I understood their end. That's actually Asaph um, that wrote those because Asaph. Um, he picks. He has several of the Psalms of Asaph have this very same, and and in that one, like he just read, it's when he goes to the place of worship that his heart is settled. It's made right. Yeah. So back now, then in verse ten, we just read verse ten. Now verse eleven, but the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. This inheritance of the earth has the idea of eternality. The inheritance isn't just, oh, I have all the stuff. It's that your name is carried on, that you have an eternal presence. The inheritance is yours. And of course, who quoted this verse most famously? Jesus did in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 5. And he's, 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 it's interesting because the, When he's speaking that, the Pharisees of the opposition, they know this psalm. So they're, you know, there's all these little conflicts that come up. And, um, and so Jesus addresses that. And he says, it's the meek who will inherit the earth, the kingdom people, the meek people. And they shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. So, th- so again, I said, you'd see this theme of inheritance. It's going to come up. This, this is just another time when it comes up in verse 11. So you, you're seeing in this whole section of the psalm, This contrast between the wicked and the righteous, the wicked and the righteous. The wicked plotteth against the just and gnasheth upon him with his teeth. So not only, so here, why is it, like, is it really worth it to live for God? The wicked seem to be prospering. Oh yeah, but they're going to end. 
Well, is it really worth it? Because now not only are the wicked prospering, but they're, they're doing what? Yeah, they're coming after me now. Not only, not only, and as we, and listen, we're going to face this more and more as we see our culture drift further and further from the Lord. Not only are they prospering and doing well financially and, and, and socially, but now they're turning around and they're coming after us. And it's discouraging. It can be discouraging, right? These are things that, these are why we were given these scriptures, so we wouldn't be discouraged by this, right? The wicked plotted against the just, gnashes upon him with his teeth, but the Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. We might wring our hands, you know, at the opposition that we're facing in, in, in America today. We might wring our hands and worry, but when the Lord sees it, what does he do? He laughs. Now, of course, this is an anthropomorphism, as they say. It's not necessarily that God is laughing, although he may be. But the point is to, to describe that this is, not a, this is not a problem. This is not a concern for God at all. The Lord shall laugh at him, for he seeth that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn out the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy and to slay such as be of upright conversation. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bow, bows shall be broken. This has been recorded all throughout history. Their sword shall enter into their own heart. Think about the Roman Empire and all of its success and power. The Roman Empire disintegrated from within before it fell from without. Their culture their culture disintegrated. Their wealth, their prosperity, their decadence. Just study the history if you're not a historian. I mean, you can read about the bread and circuses. They were so, they were so powerful and rich that all they could do was entertain themselves. Entertain themselves. And they were, there was so much money that there wasn't even... And they had slaves and they had money. The people didn't have anything to do. And so they came up with a, a, a welfare policy of just giving them food and entertainment. It was called bread and circuses and the Colosseum, and all that. Literally, a culture that had, had exercised all of its power, the very sword that brought their power was turned on themselves in self-destruction. And, and that, you can see, that's a story that's told over and over again in history. And we're going to see it in this culture. Like, we, we're in a, a, a sexually debauched culture, and you're going to see the, we will see, probably in my lifetime, all the, and hopefully our culture has enough Christian witness left to kind of get, get it together. But all of this gender confusion and sexual confusion is, it's going to rock the culture from within. I mean, you can't, it's not sustainable. It can't, a culture can't sustain, um, with this. So, you know, the, our prayers is that that would happen and that there'd be enough of a remnant left to preserve what we have left of our culture. But this is what happens. The sword that attacks the wicked ends up being self-destructive. All sin is self-destructive. So is it worth it to live for God? Yes. Yes. A thousand times yes, David says. Don't be just, don't be, don't be, we get so distracted by what's going on around us. Just stay the course, stay the course. Because God sees the end. He sees where it's all headed. We just need to get a glimpse of that. And the little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. Makes a great verse. Hard to live, isn't it, though? <laughs> Sometimes it might be hard to believe it. But it's, it's, what a great truth. 
A little that a righteous man hath is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholdeth the righteous. So again, we're back and forth. The wicked versus the righteous. The wicked versus the righteous. The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and there, here it is again, inheritance shall be forever. What is this, the fourth time we've seen this idea of inheritance? Something like that. Their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. But the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord shall be as the fat of lambs. They shall consume, into smoke shall they consume away. So again, it's the same thing being repeated in just different poetic language. The wicked borroweth and payeth not again, but the righteous showeth mercy and giveth. For such as be blessed of him shall inherit the earth. There it is again. Inherit the earth. And they that be cursed of him shall be cut off. Now we come to some of my favorite verses in this psalm. This psalm, there's two sections that I really love, and that's verse Verses 1 through 7, talking about um, trusting in the Lord, delighting in the Lord, committing your way, and he brings it to pass. I love verses 1 through 7, and then I just think verses 22 and down through verse number 25 are just, they're, they're wonderful. So, we've seen this contrast of the this contrast of the righteous and the wicked. The inheritance is for the righteous, is for the people who are made righteous by God, and they will receive an eternal inheritance. They'll live in the land forever. Now, he describes God's care for those people. God's care that the presence of God with them. Not just, so the first idea is that there's a future, and the future for the, for the righteous is far better than the future for the unrighteous. But now the present, the present condition. We come to verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Could also be translated because he delights in his way. The idea here is, just like if you go back, this is kind of a parallel to verse number four. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Verse five, commit thy way into the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. It's the same thing here in verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Anybody have any thoughts on that verse? I've got some, obviously, but... The verse has always spoken to me, has encouraged me. I've seen this take place in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My thoughts are along those. Anybody else on this? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yeah. Right, like a little child almost. It's like, no, step here. Take the step here. Nope, take the step here. I like that. It says they're ordered by the Lord. Anybody else? Those are good thoughts. Yeah. Oh, GPS, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's actually really good. That's actually really good. So you follow the GPS. You follow the GPS. You follow the GPS, you know, in 100 feet, turn left, okay? And then you turn left. In 200 feet, turn right. And you, turn, you, do, you do whatever it says, right? But what happens if you, in 200 feet, you don't turn left? You keep going. What does the GPS do? It recalculates your route. It recalculates your route. And in a lot of ways, that is how the Lord leads us is because sometimes we're stubborn, you know, and it, and sometimes we make mistakes and we step out of the will of God. And, you know, some people, oh, you stepped out of the will of God. Now, where's your life? You know, you took that step and where's it? the Lord's got it under control. He can redirect your steps, right? He can prepare an alternate route to arrive at the destination. Um, that's good. Any other thoughts on this on this verse here? Yes. I'm not sure if it's you but this one verse, but there's a true story I heard about about 30 years ago. It's not Midwest, there were these two brothers, twin brothers. They grew up in the same household, obviously. And their father was a drunk, threw a fight in the bar, and threw a fork and sword, and they were always in jail, and so forth, so on, and their mother did the best she could. And one brother, Oh, yeah. That's interesting about the paths of life. I think it does relate here to the, the, the paths we take in life. I, what, I, one of the things that's really always stood out to me in, the, in this verse is the idea that my, the, the destination of my life, the direction of my life, is not supposed to be determined by who. Yeah. The direction of my life is not supposed to be determined by me. Now, that's a, that's a load of pressure off of us, right? That it's not up to me to make every right decision. Now, ultimately, I need to make good decisions, right? But it's because the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I'd say it's because it's, this fits with the other, the other verse, verse number five, commit thy way unto him and he shall bring it to path. Pass. It starts with a heart commitment or a heart delight. It starts with setting your eyes on the Lord. And if you are, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, your soul, if, 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 you, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, I personally believe that if you have that right, 
that you can't make the wrong decision. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not speaking like, like dogmatically, but in a spiritual sense, if you can say with a clear conscience, if you can say with a clear conscience, you know what? In this moment, I believe that I'm pursuing the Lord in his kingdom with my whole heart. And I feel that this is the right decision to make. If you know that your heart is in that place, delighting in the Lord, he's going to order your steps. This is a, a, maybe 15 years ago, a really great book was written for young people um, by J.D. Greer. It was a, called Just Do Something. Just Do Something. It was written to young adults who were at a point in their life where they're like, you know, we live in a culture now where everybody wants to have like the perfect job, the perfect scenario, you know, like, and his point in the book was love the Lord and then just start moving. Just take a step, just move in a direction because and I think that's what this, this is the kind of principle this verse is teaching that you, you have your delight in him. You just start moving and he is going to direct your steps. People are anxious about their relationships, especially when they're young, about their relationships, about their, um, about the, their education, about their careers, about all these things. Just, I like what he said in the book, just do something. But before you do something, make sure you're delighting in his way. And though he fall, you make a mistake, something doesn't work out or you, you fall down, you won't be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. So we say, again, you can't fail. If, you're, if the Lord's ordering your steps, you can't make the wrong decision. You can't fail because if you do, the Lord's just going to pick you right back up. And then I love verse 25. I think this is kind of the summary theme of David's life. I have been young and now am old. It happened so fast. I have been young and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. What a verse. Is it worth it to follow the Lord? David says, yeah, I've, I've been young now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God has cared God cares for his people. A lot of these uh, themes are carried, the theme of inheritance, and then really this theme is picked up by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Take no thought for your life. Right? Don't worry about tomorrow. If he clothes the, if he, if he cares for the bird, if he clothes the, lily, the clothes the lilies of the field, he'll care for you. He is ever merciful and lendeth and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good. And here it is again, this theme, and dwell forevermore. For the Lord loveth judgment and forsaketh not his saints. They are preserved forever, but the seed of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell therein forever. The mouth of the righteous speaketh wisdom and his tongue talketh of judgment. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. He speaks about his, the, the, the love and the place of the word of God in our lives that keeps us, uh, keeps us on the path. The love of God in our hearts and the law of God in our hearts. 
The wicked watcheth the righteous and seeketh to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a green bay tree. Yet he passed away and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. But the transgressor shall be destroyed together, the transgressors shall be destroyed together, the end of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because... They trust in him. So as David looks back at his entire life, he looks back at what he's been through, the difficulties, the, the like we sang that song, the scars and struggles along the way, the times that he was tempted to say, is it worth it? He answers with this song with a resounding yes, it was worth it. So I think two applications that we can take. One is for those of us who are facing difficulties or questions, we can take encouragement from this and we can say, we can be reassured in our hearts. And so I think that's the, the first application we can take. But I think, secondly, I think there's an obligation that we share with David. And that is we have the, ob the obligation with our lives to testify with David to others. David is encouraging, other David already knows this, right? David, David doesn't need to write this. He's already made it through his journey. He's come to the end. But in the final part of his life, he is dedicated. And of course, the Holy Spirit is inspiring him to do this. But, but I think you understand my point. He's taking this time at the end and not just saying, well, I've been young and now I'm old. And, you know, I guess this is the end. And I'll... No, he's investing in the people that are following him. He's intentionally investing this message in their lives and encouraging them. He's being an encourager. He's not gotten, he's, he's not uh, crusty or disenfranchised or saying, well, you know, back in my day, he's saying, no, we've been, we went through this in my day. They were the unrighteous in my day, but you know what? It was still worth it to follow the Lord. And he's encouraging. May we be those same people. May we be the encouragers. The ones who come along to, to, to those who are either newer in the faith or, or to the younger generation and have the same message that a life lived for God is worth it because the Lord will help them and deliver them. He is our salvation. It's worth it to live for God. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we've had some time tonight to study this psalm. I pray that the truth of it would encourage our hearts, that we'd be challenged, Lord, to, to share this with, with our brothers and sisters and with those who follow us in the faith. Help us to be encouragers. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. 
Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.